0: Welcome to Unconscious. This is episode 28 Why Preconception Support is a Game Changer. An interview with Kate Cattle. Welcome to Unconscious. I'm your host, Liz Cook, functional nutritionist and founder of One Seed Organic Perfumes. Today we're chatting to pregnancy and conception coach, Kate Cattle. But don't switch off if you're not at that stage of life or if you're a bloke. This one is for everyone who's human and is going through challenges that feel too big. Kate is an award-winning intuitive life coach, speaker and writer, as well as a mama and a wife. Through coaching sessions, social media and the Awakened Pregnancy podcast, Kate helps women to see that they can embark on their journey to motherhood without fear and instead see it as a time to truly connect with who they are on a deeper level. Kate is an advocate for self-care, living gently and getting super comfortable in your own skin and has actively been part of the transformation of thousands of lives.
1: If you look at the metaphysical side of endometriosis and PCOS, it's uh, got a lot to do with pushing ourselves too hard, essentially, ignoring how we feel, uh, putting others' needs before our own. And, you know, I think this recipe of going out into the world and, you know, as women trying to do it all and be it all, we spend our 20s, which are our most fertile years, not thinking about conception. Like as if, you know, one day when we decide, if we decide that we wanna have children, it will just occur. But these things that we do have an impact on our emotional health, they have an impact on our physical health. And, you know, we can't, we can't actually get pregnant if we are in a fight or flight state.
0: Today's discussion is raw and real and powerful and touches on the topics of pregnancy, miscarriage, loss, joy, birth and triumph, and is about embracing every aspect of being human. So let's jump in. Kate Kettle, thank you so much for joining me and having a chat today. I'm so looking forward to this chat, but I gotta say, I was listening, doing my uh, my research. I was listening to a couple of your um, interviews on other podcasts yesterday, and the the risk is here that you may lull me to sleep with that beautiful voice that you have. <laughs> I feel like your yoga teacher training is coming through because your voice is so calm and sedating. So I'm looking forward to it, but I also fear falling asleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I love. I actually love hearing that. That makes me. That makes me so happy to know that uh, my voice has a calming effect on the nervous systems. You know, I um, I think that I'm a Taurus, right? And I I feel like I'm always like craving the grounding. I'm always like, oh, ground me, bring me to the earth. Yeah. And I feel like that probably, uh, yeah, I think that comes through in my voice because it's not the first time that people have said that to me. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's because I know we'll talk about a lot of this today, but I don't know if it's because you are a real advocate for living slowly. And so that's then you know, fed through into your nervous system and then that's now what you project. But I need a little more of what you have because I think I'm a little too high energy. So I'm going to try and learn from you.
1: I think I think it totally comes in fits and starts. Like my son and my husband probably don't think my voice is calming, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think you make a really great point and I, I really believe that when we have a consistent self-care practice that does soothe our nervous system, we generally are calmer and more relaxed or we spend more time in that state I don't think you know anyone is immune to stress or you know some level of suffering in life I really don't believe that that is true Uh, but I think that when you do regularly take care of yourself and you are really soothing your nervous system yeah I feel like you you definitely project a more calm energy
0: yeah, I, I definitely feel that's true and it's what I'm aiming for. I'm not having much success at it <laughs> yet, but it's definitely what I'm aiming for. So I'm going to learn from you. Hey, when I was doing my initial research on you, there was a statement in your Instagram bio that, were, that just sprung out at me and I'm sure it does the same to a lot of people. On your bio, it says 70% of your 2021 conception clients fell pregnant during or within 12 months of working with me. That's an incredible statistic, especially when you compare that to the stats from one of Australia's leading fertility clinics, which of course I went and looked up, um, who boasts a 56.7% pregnancy rate compared to your 70%. So that's got me heading in all kinds of directions with 100 questions. But firstly, how do you track your statistics? And how many of those pregnancies of that 70% end, end in a live birth? And then thirdly, how the heck do people not know about what you're doing so successfully?
1: Well, I feel like this is quite a big question. And I'm actually really excited to answer it, because I have been wanting to share the results of my clients for some time now. But I have been hesitant to, for a few reasons, uh, which I I can kind of speak about as I'm sharing how I came to that number. I, yeah, I've been wanting to track it for a long time and it is a little bit complicated to figure out the number, but it is something that, uh, yeah, there's a bit of a process behind, I guess, and uh, something I'm really proud of. Uh, it's obviously also changing moment to moment, right? Because like you touched on, you know, how many of these do end in live birth and unfortunately people can lose pregnancies at all stages. It's devastating, but it's possible. Uh, And so, yeah, it is a number that's constantly changing and I am doing the best that I can to keep that up to speed. And I did actually review it yesterday in preparation, so I'll let you know what the number is now because it is different. Uh, So I decided to track... Uh, the previous year being that we are now in 2022 because I thought that would be the most effective way to get clear results that were accurate by having a bit of a time buffer because you know some of my clients that I potentially finished with uh, you know uh, two months ago they could fall pregnant today and so the statistic changes and so having that little bit of a time buffer and just focusing on one year at a time feels like a way to do it, to have a bit of space to make sure that the number is, uh, I guess, fairly consistent. So to break it down, uh, counted in that statistic is anyone who begun working with me from the 1st of January 2021 to the 31st of December 2021. So no one who begun in 2020 or earlier and nobody after the 1st of January uh, 2022. So that includes anyone who worked with me in a one-on-one capacity or in a group offering, which I think that that's a really key point there because it just shows that even you know even if one-on-one isn't an option or isn't something that resonates with someone, my group offerings actually. Uh, yeah, they're, they're achieving the same results. So it doesn't include anyone who came to me already pregnant. So these are people who engaged with me in conception coaching in that time frame. So they didn't sign up pregnant. These are people who signed up; they weren't pregnant yet, and they had a goal to uh, become pregnant. So I've reached out to everybody I worked out in that I worked with in that time frame, and I only counted the statistics on those who responded because obviously I can't. You know, if, if I didn't hear back from everyone, which there were only a few I didn't hear from, uh, I obviously can't count either way. So it's based on the clients who have responded, which was most of them. So at this point, I am, as far as, you know, the live birth, some of them are still pregnant because for some of
0: them. It's not nine yeah, months yet exactly for some of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So at this point, I am aware of only one miscarriage, which obviously is devastating. Uh, But from those pregnancies and from those clients, I'm aware of one miscarriage. So some of these women, like I said, haven't birthed yet. So um, it's a little bit hard to confirm on the live live birth numbers of that group because we're kind of not at that point yet. But it is something I will continue to follow up uh, now that I am tracking this number. Um, Yeah, so... I like I said I actually revised the number yesterday uh, because I wanted to make sure that it was right on point for our chat and it's actually gone up so it's now seventy three point six eight percent. So that's amazing. You have to change that on
0: your Instagram now I, right, I don't have
1: enough characters in my bio to add the point six eight. But I think that yes. yeah, I think that it's it's definitely over seventy percent, which is really beautiful. Uh, and then on your on your question about how do people not know about what I do, <laughs> I feel like there are kind of two parts to this. So, like, the story of conception being all practical, um, you know, is very perpetuated in so many ways. Like, we, I think we forget that even though doctors can try to control so much of the process of conception, you know, if you're going down an assisted fertility path, it's ultimately out of our hands. Like, it is something that even with you know, a really regimented medical routine, if you're going that, you know, down that route, it's still there's so much that is magic. There is a huge element that yeah. is intangible. It is literally the miracle of life. And I think it's hard for some people to invest in the work that I do because it doesn't feel real. But what I'm touching on is the intangible part of this process. Uh, And it's interesting because it does actually become very tangible. You know, when you're working on your mindset, you're connected to yourself. It feels very tangible to the individual who is doing it, but it doesn't necessarily appear tangible to the outside world. I think in a lot of cases it eventually does. Uh, So, yeah, I think that when you're going down an assisted fertility path, it can feel like you need to do the practical things because that's the predominant message out there. Uh, And, you know, the unique thing about, what I do is I have come into this industry from my own experience, which I know we can talk about later. Uh, so, you know, I'm coming from a different angle. I'm not necessarily coming from the angle of uh, number one goal being getting pregnant. And obviously that's what I want for my clients. But it's more than that, you know, because I've been through it. I know that if you don't take care of yourself through the process, when you get that baby, because one day it will happen, one day you will hold your baby in, the ar- in your arms It doesn't make everything go away. It doesn't make the pain go away. It doesn't make the suffering go away. It doesn't mean that as soon as they land in your arms, it's all smooth sailing. It really is. And you know that. You're a mama, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's hard. Being a parent is hard. And I think if you've been through an extended conception experience and you are coming into motherhood, on the emotional and mindset back foot because of what you've been through, it makes the transition really tricky. And so, you know, that's, I'm coming to it from that point of view of having lived that experience and knowing how important mindset is. Uh, and then I guess the other part to answering this question is that people do know and when they're ready to work with me, they do. And if I'm not their vibe, that's okay. And I, I, I really trust that, you uh, the right people will find me at the right time and obviously I have a vision to be able to help as many women as I can and I hope that over the years I can, you know, grow my audience and what I do and uh, yeah, be able to support so many women to, to be able to bring little babies into the world but to do it in a way where they feel empowered and aligned and that it's a really enjoyable process no matter how it unfolds.
0: Yeah, there's so much in what you just said. I've got a hundred ways I could go right now. But what one of the things that sticks out in my mind is the... I guess there's a, you're straddling two lanes here. One is that you need to have some sort of statistics because I imagine that I'm not someone who struggled with fertility. I've had lots of struggles in other areas of my life. This is not one of them. So it's not that I don't know <laughs> what it's like to have loss and challenge. It's just this is not my area of challenge. But I imagine and knowing lots of people who have had miscarriages and difficulties falling pregnant I imagine that when somebody gives you statistics, it's reassuring. So it's fine to say, um, you know, we we, we talk about mindset and we talk about these beautiful things and growth and so on. And to a lot of people that really resonates and they want that. But I guess if you're somebody who's struggled with fertility or has had many miscarriages or if you're at the end of your rope, um, you see a number and that gives you some reassurance. So I think the statistics are are really important, especially when you're comparing with, let's say, the statistics around IVF success rates, et cetera. But at the same time, I think w- what you're doing, which I absolutely love, is you're saying this is not just about the science of how we get you pregnant. It's also the – it's not non-science, but it's it's the humanity aspect, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. a, it's the soul and the humanity aspect of let's talk about growth Within this process, not just about, you know, lay back and let's do the science and let's get you pregnant, um, which is a whole different way of working. And as you say, not everybody's going to want to work that way. But for anybody who does or who feels like they're at the end of their rope or they can't find other ways of going about it, um, what a beautiful opportunity for personal growth and also teaching us to lean into our pain and our challenge and find our triumphs as humans. It's a totally different way of looking at at conception and even at birthing a child other than the practical aspects.
1: I I love that reflection so much. And, you know, I also really love how you opened that with saying that conception hasn't been a struggle in your life, but you've had other struggles and other loss. And I think that that is such a real, like, it's a really important point is that we all experience challenges in life. It is nobody is immune to any, like I said before, like we all experience suffering at some point. And, you know, I obviously speak to and care for the people so deeply who experience that in conception or a challenge in in pregnancy. And I think the key thing that you're really touching on here is that when we experience those moments, like those face-down moments where we're like, I don't know if I can keep going, Those are the moments where we get to make a choice. We get to make a choice to just keep ticking along as we are, or we get to make a choice to go. You know what? There has to be a different way to do this, and that can occur in conception. That can that can occur uh, with relationships. I know one of my dear friends is. You know, her challenge has been in relationships, and for her, she's had a face down moment there. And so, you know, for all of us, we have these we have these things that come up in life, and you know we get to choose whether it becomes a you know a perpetuated suffering that we experience or whether we choose to go you know what this is what it is i choose to accept that this is my path now let me see who i can become through this you know let me see if i can find the parts of myself that are centered and aligned and grounded even though the world around me doesn't feel like that because it's all. It comes from within, right? Like it all comes from within. And if we are out there doing the things, ticking the boxes, you know, keeping it practical, I really believe that we're missing out on the magic of life. Like I, I'm not. I'm definitely not somebody who is like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for the struggles. #Hashtag blessed. Like <laughs> not that person. I am not. Like oh my god, I'm so grateful for my miscarriage. Like I am not that person. Yes. And I would not wish that pain on anybody. But I'm grateful for the person that I have become. I'm grateful for the resilience that I have learned. I'm grateful for the strength that I have, and that I've made the most of, like you know, a, a, some shitty stuff that's happened in my life. And you know, it's 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 a choice. It's a choice. And uh, you know, mindset is a choice. It's a decision to go. You know what? I'm this the way that I am seeing this is not supporting me. My perception of this situation is creating more pain and suffering inside of me. And like I said, whether that's conception or something else, and I'm going to make a choice to see if I can, see if I can do it a bit differently. Let's see if it will work. And, you know, I, yeah, I feel like that's where the power is in recognizing that when it feels like we have no choices and we're backed up against the wall, that the choice we have is to look at our mindset.
0: Yeah, you know, and the other thing that comes up as you're talking is embracing the opportunity to be fully human. Because I think we live in uh, in an era where everybody is aiming for a particular pinnacle of success, mm-hmm. or we only post about our successes, and it's all hashtag blessed and look at me standing on the top of this mountaintop in doing you know, an amazing child pose or whatever. Yes, that's right. Or, you know, and everything is about success and how things look, and I and I avoid. I avoid stress. I just live a no stress life and that that's not even being fully human. So what I'm hearing too and what you're saying is it's about embracing both the triumphs and the pain about being fully human, which we all have, not avoiding them, but actually leaning into them and saying, what can I learn and how can I choose differently because I am fully human and, and I'll embrace all of it.
1: Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, the thing is like a, a fulfilled life or a, a life where you feel purposeful and content isn't the result of a life with no pain or suffering. Yeah. It's it's overcoming what we go through that brings us to that place of contentment and groundedness. And, you know, to, I guess, to take it to another level, I believe that we all come into this lifetime with some lessons that we signed up for before we got here. And, you you know, we, we're here to learn them. And so you can choose to learn it or you can do this lifetime again. And I can tell you right now, I ain't doing this again. I'm going
0: to get my what's on the other side. That's right. <laughs> Oh man, I I could talk about this particular line of thought for hours and hours. We're going to have to get off air and keep this chat going. Hey, let's swing back and talk about something a bit more practical. What do you think has happened in the world of fertility and pregnancy in the last couple of decades, 20 or 30 years to make room for you to have a career in pregnancy and conception coaching?
1: Hmm. There's obviously a very, uh, a very scientific based um, version of this answer as well. That is in, uh, you know, sperm, sperm quality decreasing, uh, egg quality decreasing. I actually read a statistic recently that said that in a hundred years, based on the current trending uh, sperm quality, there will be no viable sperm. Whoa. I know. That's astounding.
0: No viable sperm in a hundred years. That is astounding.
1: I know. So, you know, there's obviously very, that very practical element and the impact that our lifestyles are having on that. Uh, But I'm going to, I'm going to speak obviously to the mindset piece and the energetics piece around this. Women of my generation. So I'm 34. I grew up in the nineties. I was obviously born in the eighties, but I grew up in the nineties and, you know, my generation have been sold a story that as women we can do anything and like that's awesome because we can right and I think it's amazing because you know looking at my mother's generation my grandmother's generation you know they they didn't have the same uh the access to the same options that I do and I'm really really grateful for that and I think for a lot of women they have been able to take that and run with it But I think for many of us, it has meant that we've turned away from other parts of our feminine energy. And many of us have decided to do it all or to give it a good go. And in a lot of ways, a lot of women are doing it like a man, so to speak. You know, they're out there pushing, hustling. Like I hate that word so much. And I rarely say I hate something, but that word hustle literally, like it gives me chills up my spine. It doesn't resonate with the feminine. And you know I, I think there's there's a really there's a there's a big hustle culture out there, and you know I'm not here to put people down at all. i'm I'm just witnessing, I'm just sharing what I've witnessed in my work, and that is that women finish school, they study they get a good job, they meet a partner, they get a mortgage, you know, they travel, they tick all of these boxes and they do a lot, right? You know, we're working out, we're making sure our hair's cute, like we're buying the latest clothes. We're like onto it, right? We've got this vision of what our success in life needs to look like. And it all becomes outside of us. And in the process, we you know, we neglect to care for our inner world, you know, there is more stress, there is more anxiety than ever. You know, we're all trying to tick all of these boxes, but we aren't honoring those beautiful, soft, feminine parts of ourselves. And, you know, obviously mixing that with the last two years and the impact on our nervous systems, it really is impacting women. And, you know, the, the big concerns with endo and PCOS, the associations that that has with Uh, pushing ourselves really hard and overachieving. It's, you know, if you look at the metaphysical side of endometriosis and PCOS, it's uh, got a lot to do with pushing ourselves too hard, essentially, ignoring how we feel, uh, putting others' needs before our own. And, you know, I think this recipe of going out into the world and, you know, as women trying to do it all and be it all, we spend our 20s, which are our most fertile years, not thinking about conception like as if, you know, one day when we decide, if we decide that we want to have children, it will just occur. But these things that we do have an impact on our emotional health, they have an impact on our physical health. And, you know, we can't, we can't actually get pregnant if we are in a fight or flight state. If our body isn't in a calm, rested nervous system, it won't allow pregnancy to occur because it doesn't perceive it as safe. And so, I think society-wise, we have been programmed to uh, believe that in order for us to find happiness, it is through doing all of these things, achieving all of these things. And in the process, it's having an impact, obviously, on us physically, but also on our emotional well-being, our connection to self, our connection to our cycles. You know, so many women don't actually have a true period from when they were a teenager. They, You know, they go into the pill and they don't have a true period until they're ready to start trying for a child, and that can be into their 30s or 40s. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, it's such a disconnect from our body and it's yeah, it has it has an impact. You know, if we if we aren't connected to that inner wisdom, if we aren't connected to our inner clock being our cycle, we we're disconnected from our intuition. We're disconnected from those natural urges we have inside of us as women, and that has an impact. You know, if we don't have a strong relationship with ourselves, it definitely has an impact. So you know, the, the way that that then perpetuates to kind of take it a step further is we start to, we're like, okay, well, now's the time I want to get pregnant. And we start trying and we can't get pregnant. And we're like, what's going on here? I, you know, I was told that this was the next step in the, pro, like in the process, you know, directly or indirectly through society, you know, I, why aren't I getting pregnant? And then we go into this, uh, it's really, really common to go into like a self-hatred, like, what is wrong with my body? I'm a woman. I'm told I've been told that I was built to birth. Why can't I get pregnant? Why can't I do this? And then we go into this cycle of really hating on our bodies when we've been neglecting it, you know, that the key is to to love on our body, to switch up that process, to switch up that way that we've been living and start honouring our body for how wonderful and miraculous it is. And it's from that place that the magic occurs. It's from that place that we start to feel those things that can be intangible, like a deep connection to self, a connection to something more, and then we can be really open to that miracle of life coming through us.
0: I love that you've touched on all of that because I think – I feel like there's a bit of a shift in women with this you-can-have-it-all culture that we really saw in the 90s and the 2000s. I feel like we're starting to come back to uh, to who we are and how we're built and what the opportunities are here, and we realise that having it all actually is potentially not fulfilling at all, not possible for, for most people, and probably not the end goal. And I'm hearing a lot of stuff on various podcasts and even with clients that I see as a nutritionist, people becoming more aware of, for example, working out according to when, to how their cycles are and, um, you know, not pushing themselves even, um, from a stress point of view, not pushing themselves when their progesterone is higher and things like that. And, you know, even, even uh, let's say if you're on a, a ketogenic diet, taking a few days off keto when you're certain parts of your cycle. And I feel like there's a there's a shift coming that's we're sort of on the start of, we're sort of heading towards the middle of, where people, where women specifically are realizing that having it all shouldn't be the goal. Are you seeing the same thing? Mm, I think I don't want to like,
1: I guess I don't want to put down anyone's dreams or beliefs around this because, you know, it's, I guess the, the thing is, is that we can have all the things. It depends what have it all means to you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so like for me, I feel like I have it all. And I say that like tongue in cheek in the sense that, you know, I have a relationship with myself. I feel connected to myself. I have a beautiful husband who I adore I have a beautiful little miracle baby who is just the light of my life. I, you know, I, I work in a career that uh, it fulfills me, but it's not, I don't live this perfect (laughs) existence. You know, I still fight with my husband. I still suck at doing a budget. (laughs) I spend money. I yell at my son. I feel stressed, you know, like I eat bad food sometimes, like it's, it's, I think it's the perception of what that is and I, you know, I think what you were talking about earlier about that idea of, uh, you know, what social media has painted for us, even those people who are showing that, that's not their reality either, the reality that many are aiming for, it doesn't even exist, it's not real, like life is messy and, you know, I think when we can really have a strong relationship with ourselves and, you know, have a solid meditation practice, to be honest, it's, it's from that place that we can actually appreciate the messiness of life and how beautiful it is and how many beautiful moments are laced inside of that that we don't see if we're trying to make everything perfect.
0: Yeah, so well said. I know there's a painful story behind how you came to pregnancy and conception coaching. Um, Our ability to be a healer for others is, is very commonly birthed out of our own pain and healing. Can you tell us about that journey for you? Yeah, for sure. So, uh,
1: and I agree with you. I think that's often the case that our work comes from our own our own experiences and our own journey. So, uh, I discovered back in twenty twelve that I had a fairly severe endometriosis, and I, I had had symptoms leading up to that point but hadn't sort of pinpointed that's what it was you know I was in my 20s you know I'd had some cramping and so much of it gets labeled as just normal part of being a woman I think that's changed a lot now but you know at the time it was you know it was very normal so to speak and anyway I discovered it in a emergency room so I had I'd woken up in the morning I was in excruciating pain and my uh he was my fiance at the time my now husband he took me to uh, hospital and through throughout the day I had um, many scans to try and work out what was going on and I had a 10 centimeter cyst on my left ovary that was mm-hmm. right brain, which was what was causing the pain and so they did emergency surgery and you know going from never having had anything like this before it was pretty like it was it's was pretty traumatic experience and I was really scared for what this meant like I didn't even know if it meant I had cancer like I was really confused at mm-hmm. first Uh, so anyway I was diagnosed with endometriosis they did a laparoscopy then and we'd only recently got engaged so I just decided to kind of put that on the back burner um, not really think about it too much take the medication that I was told to take and focus on our wedding uh, which I did and then after that we decided that we wanted to start trying for a baby and we my husband and I spent five years trying to conceive our son so we did IVF. We did multiple rounds of IVF and I experienced uh, one miscarriage before Flynn. We, I, I also had adrenal fatigue twice because I burnt myself out. I bet. And this, you know, this is so much of where the, uh, the my work has come from is because I've been to that side of it where I really couldn't keep going, where I was like I can't keep doing this. I can't. Like it's destroying me like on a physical level, but on an emotional level as well. Mm. Uh, financial as well, it's expensive. Like fertility treatment is expensive. Uh, so, yeah, so anyway, we got to a point where I said to my husband, I can't, I don't think I can keep going. I, I I need time off. And the look of relief on his face was just the most wonderful thing for me in that moment because I had so much guilt of like, What if I can't have a baby? What if this beautiful man who's meant to be a father doesn't get to be a father because of me? Which is like the realities of the places you go to when you're going through this. And anyway, Michael was beautiful and supportive and basically said, Thank God, I don't want to see you go through this anymore. And so we decided that we would take six months of being completely off from everything. This was like four and a half years into um, trying to get pregnant. And, you know, in this time I was like I was doing all the things in a practical sense, but I'd also come to a place where I was meditating and journaling and, you know, I was, I was, you know, hitting all, hitting all the notes. And, uh, yeah, so we decided, look, let's take a six-month break and we literally set an alarm in my phone that was like, it's been six months so let's have another chat
0: basically. So That's amazing because it takes the burden off you to think, oh, now when were we going to have the chat? It's exactly. like a six-month vacation, right? Somebody will tell me when I have to go back to work
1: exactly that's exactly what it was we both got to free ourselves of that process because there's so many decisions that need to be made in that too like that alone is a really heavy thing to carry so just to completely take that off our plates was beautiful we ended up uh going on I think we went on two holidays and I also decided to study uh, my yoga teacher training for the first time and we came to I was coming to the end of that six months and We were actually at Bunnings. If you're not in Australia, that's like our hardware store. And we were buying, it was a Sunday. We were like in, oh, sorry, it was a Saturday. We were inside. All
0: Aussies are, I was going to say all Aussies are at Bunnings on a Sunday, but it was a Saturday. So
1: (laughs) it was a Saturday actually, yeah. (laughs) And we were in the plant section and I was like, I feel really off mic. I was like, something's not right. I feel a little bit lightheaded. I'm just going to go wait in the car. And he was like, okay, no worries. So anyway, I went and laid down in the car and I was like, oh, I think I'm getting sick. Like I felt quite flu-y, which at the time wasn't so scary as it is these (laughs) days. But I sort of thought uh, one one of my friends had had influenza, her and her family, and I thought, oh, maybe I've caught it. So went home, literally went to bed at like lunchtime, woke up the next morning and felt considerably better, but still not quite right. And anyway, Michael said to me, could you be pregnant? And I was like... Okay, mate. Like,
0: really, <laughs> were, we're not you not here friends? for the last four and a
1: half years? Exactly. I was like what a funny joke. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, turns out I was pregnant. Oh, so uh, after everything that we had navigated, our beautiful little Flinny decided that that was his moment to be incarnated. And uh, yeah, we we I had a wonderful pregnancy and a really beautiful birth and. I'm now a mama to a four-year-old and he is just the light of my life and the biggest challenge (laughs) in motherhood. Uh, But there's something I want to just add to this that I think can give a lot of context because if you're listening to this and you are in the depths of trying to get pregnant and you're doing IVF and you're navigating, you know, fertility treatment and you're like hearing my story and you're like, oh, I was you. I get it. I, I get it, that you just can't hold on to this hope that you might just accidentally conceive naturally. And I still hesitate sharing that part of my story because I know how hard it is to hear when you are in the struggle. There's something about my story that really helped me to see that it was never, ever about me. And that is that my brother, so I have a brother who's four years younger than me. He met his partner So he met Siobhan. Nathan and Siobhan met each other uh, earlier that year that I conceived. And they actually conceived accidentally, not on purpose, had this beautiful surprise, a little boy who was born two weeks before Flynn, and they are the best little friends ever. Flynn and Dakota are the best little friends. And I could have never known that that moment was when Flynn needed to be born to have his little friend because for the majority of my conception, my brother didn't have a partner. He always said he never wanted to have kids. Like it just was never something that I could have ever comprehended. But now I can't imagine the two of them not having one another. And so, you know, when it feels like it's all you and there's something wrong with you and like, I need to fix this, I need to control this. This is the part that is the magic that we can't know what our child needs to do in this lifetime and who they need to be here with them and that moment that they need to come through. So, yeah, I feel like that helps to give context to like why I think Flynn came through in that moment. It was about his relationship with his cousin. Um, yeah. And so, we, we are, yeah, we are on a journey now to conceive another little one. And it's been very on and off. We did some IUI at the start of this year to see if that could support us. And we weren't successful. Uh, we I've had uh, three miscarriages since Flynn uh, very early, but all really spread out. But, you know, I I think that I've, I've done this work on myself now and after witnessing that experience with Flynn, I have moments where, you know, even the other night there was a bunch of pregnancy announcements that popped up on Instagram and I had a little cry and I said to Mike, you know, I, I really want another baby and I want Flynn to have another sibling and You know, and then I just I I remembered I remembered that they come through when they're meant to come through, and I have full trust that this little human that I know is meant for our family will come when they're meant to come. And when I have those moments, I just remind myself of that. Like I can't know why they need to land here at the time that they do, and I'm available and I'm ready. And when you're ready, baby, like come come on through because we're here. So yeah, it is. It's been a big layered story, and I very much have had to. Lean into my own teachings over and over again, which is always—it's—it's always, it's, it's always um, humbling.
0: <laughs> it is. It is, and you know, thank you for sharing so beautifully and being so vulnerable with your story and your continuing story. I think, I think it's interesting hearing you as well talk about the beautiful miracle of how Flynn came along, and in hindsight, why at that time, and then talking about then having miscarriages after this miracle. It also you know it's it's it it shows that life is not like there's not a pinnacle and then you stay stand the pinnacle it's this roller coaster of triumph and tragedy and little joys and and continued pain and that's that's the way life rolls but we we always have this i think this vision of when i get to this space then everything is in forward motion and it's just not the way it is so thank you for being vulnerable with that and i'm really sorry to hear of your of your continued pain for baby number 2 Thank you so much for your love. And
1: I, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the work that I do and I feel very comfortable in sharing my story because I know that there are so many women out there who, you know, don't necessarily, you know, share the same the same passion for this work as I do, but are suffering alone. They don't have any friends that feel this way. And I know... Yeah, I, I just hope that I can validate how they feel, and that it is hard, and that we really we do go to the depths, but we make the choice. We make the choice to keep moving forward and to not let it, you know, define the way that we see ourselves.
0: I'm just, I'm just predicting. I mean, we're we're recording right now. We're not live just yet, you know, to to the masses. But I'm just predicting women sitting in their cars or cooking the dinner right now and tears and tears and tears i'm just i'm feeling that i'm feeling the amount of people that are going to be really touched by by your story and your um, the extension of hope that you give to to women and to to their partners as well so thank you so thank much you for lady. that kate so beautiful thank you for saying that what is actually conception and pregnancy coaching like what happens on in the day to day working with a client
1: yeah. So, so to me, uh, conception and preg- pregnancy coaching is about supporting women to feel empowered, intentional, and aligned in their transition into motherhood, which is obviously what I briefly said earlier. So I believe that birth and motherhood are a rite of passage and that as women, we need to be held through that. And that's something that we've really lost in modern society, especially Western cultures. I think that you know, there, there is a lot of support in this area in other cultures, but I know that in Western white culture, it's not, there is not a lot of support around that rite of passage. And so, you know, the, what, what I do and the work I do is about helping women to navigate whatever their conception, pregnancy, birth, postpartum journey looks like from a place of feeling empowered, intentional, and aligned, not feeling like a victim, not feeling lost, powerless, all of those things that are so common. So we help to clear what are called the samskaras or imprints. So samskara is a yogic term that's Sanskrit and it means an imprint of the mind. So what that does, an imprint of the mind clouds us from our truth. It stops us from being able to see ourselves clearly. Uh, So the stories we collect through our life, some of them come through with us into this lifetime, the way that we live our life, things that maybe don't support us, Everything that we're doing, everything we're believing creates our actions, which creates our reality. So... Uh, what I do is I help women to really clear through any of those emotional things that are blocking them from being fully receptive to receiving a pregnancy or a positive pregnancy experience, a positive birth, or being really present with their uh, you know their postpartum journey. So uh, as as intangible as that sounds, I actually give really practical, easy to apply tools to my clients so that they can improve. Uh, Improve their well being on an emotional state for their transition into motherhood. So, you know, things like meditation and journaling, but we also really uh, work through any uh, mindset things, obviously, that are coming up and work to change those as well.
0: Well, that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is that your mission is to help women get pregnant sooner and stay calm and stress free through birth and beyond. So, how do you? practically go about doing that and what are the main pillars that you're focusing on you I know you touched on it a little bit but what's the sort of main framework for that
1: yeah, so I do have a, a, a fairly, um, yeah, I guess a, some pillars that I do focus on. So the first one is around having clarity of vision. And we do need to often clear things from our mind to be able to have that, but also spending the time and really knowing how to create a clear vision for yourself that's connected to your soul, not to your ego. So, uh, you know, an, an ego vision could be, and this is This can actually also be a soul vision, but something that people can see easily is an ego vision could be something material such as like a particular house or a particular type of car. Whereas the soul vision usually is more connected to how you want to feel uh, or how you want to experience life. And it's also more connected to your core values as a human. So that's a really big part of what I teach is actually being really anchored into what we want. Uh, The next thing that we work on is fear and emotional blocks. So like I was just talking about those imprints of the mind, uh, those emotional pains, and also the fear, Uh, quite often what I find is when people are trying to manifest something, they actually focus on the lack of it as opposed to the abundance of it. So, uh, you know, you might be thinking, you know, I really want to get pregnant. And then the next thought is, but what if I don't get pregnant? If I can't get pregnant, what does that mean? It means that I'm X, Y, Z. And so what we actually do is we focus on the fear and not what we want. So there, yeah, I work with my clients to be able to shift that so they can be really focused on the abundance of what they desire. Uh, the next thing is presence with body and presence with experience. So, you know, we, we hear a lot about being present with life, but that actually begins with being present with your body. So being embodied, not being in your mind, being in your body and, uh, you know, being able to really witness that. And, you know, from that place, we can be present with life. We don't get so caught up in timelines and expectations on people and expectations on events and so on. So yeah, that's a really, that's a really powerful thing to work on is, is learning how to be present with your body uh, because everything else kind of flows from there. The next thing we talk about is energy. So this is, uh, yeah, this is beautiful. Talking about energetics and how we can influence uh, what we attract into our life based on our energetics, uh, and manifestation comes into this in a big way. Uh, I also talk about self connection and intuition and how to how to really. I guess, have like a highway to your intuition that you can follow every day to get what you need uh, and be really in tune with that and the messages that you receive. And then something else that uh, is really weaving a beautiful way into my work right now is devotion and, you know, being devoted to your self-practice regardless of how you feel. For so many of us, we are, uh, we're we're so focused on short-term gratification over long-term alignment. And, we make these choices that are like in the moment it gives us that buzz but you know those things stacked up over time it doesn't actually lead us closer to what we desire and so yeah devotion is what allows us to be able to create what we want for our lives because we show up no matter how we feel because we are connected to that long term alignment over that short term gratification and when you set yourself up for long term alignment and you're taking care of that it feels so much better than short term gratification So yeah, that's, they're kind of the key areas that I focus on, but it's really personalized too. So if someone comes to me and they've got one particular thing that is just like burning them up, like that's where we go first.
0: Yeah, that's right. And because we all come with different pains and different challenges, I imagine it's never a one size fits all approach, is it?
1: No. And I think that's the power of this work is, you know, I think that's why or a big part of why my clients get results is because it is so personalized. Even in my group programs, there are always one-on-one touch points where they can have conversations with me and we can talk about their specific experience because it is, it's, everybody is so different. We are all so different. We have different needs, different experiences, and we all deserve to be supported through those.
0: Can we talk a bit about the power of mindset in helping women to achieve healthy pregnancy? I know this is something that, you know, you talked about a lot already today, and clearly this is a really big part of what you do, helping women to shift their mindsets that they can, I guess, achieve the outcomes they desire, but also achieve personal growth and all of those other things along the way. Um, Because, of course preconception and conception is often focused on the practical or or tangible aspects as we were talking about off air um, and I'm thinking about IVF being specifically very practical and you do this at this time and you do that at that time and this is six months and this is you know this many um, this many embryos put back and, and all of the numbers and so on A- and even with me in nutrition it's it, it can, it's not it's never prescriptive but it's obviously about um, you know increasing where the deficits are it's, it's, it's changing diets, it's um, adding nutrients that are required and looking at those types of things. But how powerful is mindset in achieving healthy pregnancy?
1: Mm, I think, you know, I think the thing here is that healthy pregnancy has so many layers to it. Like what is a healthy pregnancy? And, you know, there's such strong messaging out there of like, you know, all that matters is that baby's healthy and like all that matters is that baby gets here like, you know, well, and it's actually, I don't believe that's the case. You know, I think that health is so layered. And if we look at what women struggle with most postpartum, it's emotional things. It's not, you know, I'm not saying that uh, health isn't an issue postpartum because it definitely is. Postpartum nutrition is really, really important and it is something women struggle with. But in those early days, the thing that women struggle with is their mindset. They struggle with how they feel. They struggle with the fact that their whole world has been turned upside down. And so, for me, healthy pregnancy isn't just about honoring those nutritional needs, which actually do generally have an impact on our emotions as well, as I'm sure you would attest of to. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and how we feel and our energy and so on. But it's also recognizing that you know, this this journey into motherhood is a rite of passage. And, you know, I have only done it once at this point, and you might be able to speak to this more, Liz. But from my understanding, it's a rite of passage every time. It's not like once you've done it, you've done it. It's like, you know you you go into this experience of becoming a mother every time you birth a child and it's big it's life altering in every single way and when it comes to having a healthy pregnancy and a healthy transition into motherhood we need to value our emotional well-being and the thing with this is i just don't see and i'm hopeful but i just don't see this as being mainstream messaging anytime soon you know something that you have to decide for yourself that it's important you know it's not going to be something that medicare is like hey we've just introduced this wonderful scheme like to go work with a
0: pregnancy coach to help you hang pre- on kate you need to line up because nutritionists and naturopaths are looking at, at medicare we're, we're way behind the ball already with medicare funding so you're gonna have to line up lady <laughs> exactly that's my point right like
1: you can't even get it for a naturopath. No, like, come on, exactly. we're not getting it for this. And you can get it for crisis support. In that, if you get postnatal depression, you can go and get, uh, you know, a, a, a mental health care plan from your GP. But we don't want to. We don't want you to get there. You know, we don't want you to get to that point. We want to consider our emotional well-being earlier in the piece, so that you know you have a beautiful, sacred transition into motherhood where you feel like this beautiful goddess that you are, this beautiful birthing woman who's experiencing this rawness and, you know, this opening and getting to know her new self. Like, I want women to feel empowered in that and to see how magnificent they are in that, not to feel completely disconnected, to feel, uh, you know, I guess, place to the side, which often happens once the baby is birthed, it's all about the baby. You know, it's it's a time that is sacred as women and we need to choose it for ourselves and we need to choose it for our friends too, by, you know, being there for them in that transition. Uh so yeah, you know, I think that when it comes to mindset in pregnancy and transition into motherhood, there's no doubt that it is important and it needs to be something that we uh we value, but it's a choice that the individual has to make.
0: So true. And exactly what you're saying about that transition into motherhood, where often what happens is we then totally undervalue ourselves. We see us as, you know, like a cow with the udders and we we, we become a ghost of ourselves. So I think that mindset stuff that you're talking about, which is um, embracing all of the growth and all of yourself as a woman is not just important for preconception, but then it it moves across to when you become the mother that you want to be, who are you now? And and em- embracing what that is instead of, okay, now I've done the thing and I put myself aside for the next 18 years and then I suddenly remember myself because that's where so many of us head. So, yeah. so if we can get that, that work done early, before we have babies it just reminds me my my oldest is my eldest is 19 and my youngest is 16 so I'm a long time out of diapers and you know <laughs> not myself but I'm a long time past that <laughs> I'm a long way past that stage but it just reminds me of when I first got pregnant which would have been 2000 or 2001 my first pregnancy and I just I bought the book the Kaz Cook book up the Duff and all I cared about was how big is the baby? I just, you know, it was, it was the, the outcome was how big is the baby? What's the due date? And really there was, you know, there was chapters in there about how to change a diaper as far as I remember. And there were all the practical things. I didn't care about that. It was the one focus was how's the baby growing? What stage are we at? And then I was, I I tackled the rest later. And to be honest, I think that had a role for me in having postnatal depression after baby number one, and a little less, but still there after baby number two, because I abandoned mm. myself for yeah. the outcome.
1: Wow! And you know, oh, your story is so common. Like yeah. it's so common, and I'm really sorry to hear that you had that experience. And I, you know, I know from talking to you that you you've come through that. Uh, It's just, it's so important for us to recognise that the foundation that we have for our relationship with ourselves, it carries through. And if we have a baseline that is non-existent of self-care, you're going to, I can guarantee you that when there's a baby thrown into the mix, it's there's no chance that self-care is going to find its way into your life like it's just not going to no So you know like you said if you can if you can get some understanding and some relationship with taking care of yourself on a deeper level like yeah go get the pedicures get the pregnancy massage do those things but what we're talking about here is a relationship with your inner self your inner world you know meditation uh, or whatever it is that helps you get into that space to connect with yourself if you can build that foundation in pregnancy I promise you you will never regret it
0: Yeah, absolutely. With the women you work with who don't have the outcome they so desperately desire, what are you seeing and hearing from them about how they change and grow in the process?
1: This is really interesting. And I I really love this question because it got me thinking, I don't think I've ever worked with a woman who didn't get the outcome, so to speak. And what I mean by that is I haven't worked with someone who has stopped working towards it. Uh, So they're not done yet, right? So yeah, yeah. So what I think that you could be speaking to here, to here is the timelines and what do women do when they don't get what they want on the timeline that they have in mind?
0: Yeah, I want to clarify that because I, I see how I've asked the question wrong actually because what I'm assuming is that women go in with a timeline in mind like let's say I need to get pregnant in the next 12 months or 24 months and then at the end of that period they've decided, well, that's it for me, either I'm adopting or I'm not having children or that that's what I've mm. assumed. So that's not good so so correct me yeah Kay. it's 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 interesting because
1: i actually had to really unpack that myself and go hang on a second what like what is that what what would that look like and do can i think of anyone that that is the case and so i think the key thing here is about detaching from the timeline because we either get to be attached to that and have those deadlines where potentially after that you know we decide that we don't have any other options or we decide we need to look into other means Or we get to choose to grow. And I know for me, in my personal experience, what I believe to be my biggest lesson in this lifetime is learning to surrender. And so detaching from the timeline of getting the outcome for me has been so much about learning to surrender. And that has come again through, uh, you know, through my personal practice. So, you know, I, like I said, I haven't actually worked with anybody who has got to that point where they've said, that's it for us. That's it. This is this is the end and that door is closed, uh, you know, because there are like the gift of modern medicine is that there are so many options and so many different paths that can be taken. Yeah, uh, And, you know, so obviously there's like IVF and IUI and those, you know, ICSI, those type of treatments, but there is also, uh, you know, that you can get an egg donor, you can get a sperm donor, you can in some places get a surrogate. You know, there are so many options before somebody would decide whether, you know, they wanted to look into, you know, adoption or, uh, you know, I guess something outside of carrying their own child or having someone carry their child for them. So there are a lot of options and only the individual will know where their end point is. So it is it is an interesting
0: question. Um, it is. And, I, and I'm glad you kind of slapped it back at me, actually, because I need to, I need to kind of rethink um, my assumptions about women in this particular position. And I guess sometimes it's based on people I know other times it's just based on what I think I would do or what, how I feel like my, you know, all of that stuff. So I'm glad, I'm glad you've corrected me. I I'm imagining too, that what you're saying, um, what you're probably saying without knowing that you're saying it too, is in all of the mindset work that your clients do, I imagine that, Let's say, let's say if you picked up a client at the start, perhaps if you said, you know, do you have a timeline or, you know, what's your, what's your when, when do you call it quits? Perhaps they would have a different idea than once they've started doing the work with you because it opens up the world in a different way, doesn't it? When you can think, when you can feel hopeful and you can feel like there's so many possibilities and you're looking at the world from different eyes the the outcome looks different and the timelines disappear or or or, you know fade away I guess that's part of Mm. the work that you do that's thank
1: you so much for reflecting that back because that's actually a, a big part of what I believe this work is about is you know I don't necessarily I mean in a really practical sense I don't get my clients pregnant I support them to be able to be in a state to be available for conception for as long as possible because for so many of us, that's longer than we thought it would be. And, you know, if if our emotional, uh, you know, our emotional well-being is deteriorating, we're not going to keep showing up for it. And that was my experience. You know, we stopped fertility treatment because I couldn't emotionally or physically take it anymore. Like it was just too much. And, you know, having support there means that you can continue to show up for you know, whatever is required for you through conception or pregnancy. And you can also take care of yourself and thrive and be really aligned in that time as well. So, yeah, thank you for reflecting that back. It was really beautiful to hear that.
0: Of course. Kate, how does a woman who's having trouble falling pregnant decide if preconception coaching is perhaps a better option than IVF or should one come before the other? And can they both be engaged at the same time?
1: I think this is a really relevant question. It's actually something that uh, somebody kind of asked me in a slightly indirect way yesterday on Instagram. So I love that we're talking about this. So what I do, like I was just saying, it's not instead of medical treatment. Like if you have no eggs or, you know, if you need endometriotic surgery, I can't do that for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't do I, I, I can't do that, right? Like that's not my role. And so while it's interesting to look at like how my results stack up, to fertility clinics, I actually don't feel like it's a valid comparison because, and like, you know, I I reflected on this with this question. I, I feel like the reason why is because, the reason why people get results with me is because they are looking at all of the areas that they need support in. And so, you know, there will be girls, there'll be women who will go to fertility clinics and they don't necessarily have the emotional support and they might not get the results that way because they need emotional support. They might need to stop getting the treatment because they, you know, they can't, uh, you know, they can't continue like I was talking about before. But I think the clients that I see that really thrive with me are the ones who are getting the support in all of the areas. And obviously that's not always gonna be a coach or working with someone like me, but, you know, it's being aware of it and it's doing what you can, doing the best you can with what you have. So, you know, if somebody is thinking about, do I work with Kate? Do I go to an IVF clinic? If there are medical considerations, then I absolutely advocate for having the test done. I absolutely advocate for speaking to a specialist, but I can tell you now that if you are taking care of your emotional needs as well, you're going to find that landscape a whole lot easier to navigate because typically fertility doctors, they aren't overly compassionate people. I think they have (laughs) compassionate intentions and I'm not saying that they're cruel, but their job is to get you pregnant. Their job is not to support your emotions. Their job is not to help you make decisions. You know, it's not to help you work through your miscarriage. It's that isn't their job and we shouldn't expect them to do that. They are a specialist in the medical side of conception and pregnancy. They are not a specialist in emotions. They're two very, very different things. So, you know, I think that the thing is if there are medical things, you know, medical concerns happening for you, don't come to me and expect me to fix them because <laughs> I
0: can't. Yeah,
1: yeah. And vice versa, you know, if you go to a doctor and you're also really heartbroken from, the, you know, the previous few years of your experience, don't expect to land in their office on the first day and them to have this beautiful heartfelt way of supporting you, they're going to be practical and they're going to be black and white and they're likely going to be very logical about things and not give you that compassionate side. So, you know, I think that being able to be connected to yourself and trusting that you know what you need will really help with that and uh, yeah I, I think that you know obviously I'm going to say that you should always have the emotional support uh, because it's what I do it's what I believe in and I for me, it's always been so important but it's not it's not to say that uh, it should be at the expense of having the fertility treatment too.
0: Yeah and that's a really good point because we're not advocating for abandoning a conventional medicine in favor of mindset shifting. That's not what exactly. we're talking about at all. Exactly. We're really talking about irons in the fire, right? And if, you, mm-hmm. if you're somebody who needs, especially if you don't have the emotional support or if you don't have the emotional stamina, you've been knocked down so many times and you don't know how to keep going, um, somebody like that will benefit enormously from engaging with you and getting support around that. But at the same time, we talk about various irons in the fire. So look at the underlying medical issues that might be there and look at the nutrient deficiencies and get get a team of people together that will help um, all aspects of your, your health and wellness so that you can be in the best possible state to become pregnant, birth a child and be an amazing parent.
1: Yes, I love that. And you know, the thing that I think is really important with this is there are there is a lot of noise and there are a lot of opinions out there in the fertility, infertility space around what you need to do to get pregnant. And ultimately, you will have to make decisions and choices around what your path is because there are going to be any number of quote unquote, correct paths to getting your baby. And the way that you make a decision where you don't regret it and you feel empowered is by being connected to your intuition. So in any case, if you are wanting to have children, if you are on this path right now, I would definitely advocate for starting either a meditation or a journaling practice or both or reinvigorating one that you've had in the past so that you can be really connected to your inner knowing when you are navigating. You know, doctors can be very convincing about what you need, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes you know that, yes, that is exactly what I want to do. And other times you don't, you know, right now my fertility doctor wants to do endometri um, endometriotic surgery for me again. I've had it twice and I've been marinating on it for about three months because I'm not sure if it's what I want to do. And I'm okay with that, you know, because I know that it takes me time to make these decisions. And so, you know, if, if I, Think about myself in the past. So when we were navigating fertility treatment the first time, I would have just said, okay, then and there on the spot. And I would have been really, really anxious about the process. And I know in the past it was really scary because it didn't feel like I chose it. Whereas now I'm in a place where I really honor how I feel. And I always advocate for my clients for the same thing. You know, make sure that the choices you make, they can be informed by your doctor, but make sure you make the choice. Uh, because, you know, essentially we're the one who holds the power around our conception. And we, just because we're having trouble doesn't mean we gave that away. It still belongs to us. So, yeah, I think that so much of this is about having the right people on your team. And another big part of it is really being connected to yourself so you know who those right people are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you have to be your biggest advocate, don't you? And we just, we can't afford not to make informed decisions and then have regrets down down the path because we didn't um, stop and really reflect on what it was we needed at the time. I think you tap into something really powerful there, which is it's really hard to advocate for yourself if you don't really know how you feel or what you think about something and you're just kind of going along with what you've been told. So I love what you've touched on there. You host a podcast, the Awaken Pregnancy Podcast, and you also publish a magazine called Ripe. It sounds like a really hectic life, especially for someone who's so focused on creating calm and reducing stress for others. How do you make the time to do these incredible things whilst also being a mother to a young son and being a wife and making time to care for your own needs as well, and yet keeping the main things the main things?
1: I love this question so much, <laughs> and I actually feel like I—I uh, I feel like I'm in a place in my life now where I can answer this and answer it with clarity. So, my son, as I said, is four. He was four in April. So, uh, you know, we—we are—we're out of that really intense need for mummy phase, right? Obviously, well, not obviously, but I'm no longer breastfeeding. haven't been doing that for a while. And uh, he now goes to a beautiful community kindergarten. So he goes five days a fortnight. He does a short day. uh, So he does like an 8.30 till 2.30. And he also spends some time with my mum and my husband's parents uh, once a fortnight as well. So the first thing is I have a lot of support. So, uh, you know, Flynn is at kindy. I have the family support. I also have a cleaner. Let's like be really open and clear about Good that. Good on you. Very liberating. <laughs> yeah, and I tell her like I love her. She's been with our family for the longest time. She's also a friend. She was a friend before she was cleaning for us. And, yeah, every weekend I'm like every weekend she comes. I'm like, I love
0: you, Eunice. Yeah, <laughs> I love what her too. You? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I do have support around me. And that's something that we prioritise as a family uh, is making sure that there is support. But it really wasn't that long ago that I struggled more with this uh, than I do now. So basically previous to this year, it was a real dance of just like, you know, do what you can when you can. And one of my biggest lessons as a mama has been to really let go of perfectionism. My mantra is "near enough is good enough." Yeah. And I know that's going to be so triggering for some people, but I really I have, have a friend let-
0: who I have a friend who calls this "80 percent out the door."
1: Yes, I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've lowered my expectations in all areas, not just like, you know, um, you know, home and parenting and family and so on, but I've also lowered my expectations in my work, you know, and I'll be the first to say, I often put things out that might have a typo or like a link that needs to be fixed. And to be honest, it's not the end of the world. Like in the past, that would have been so dramatic for me, but now I'm like, you know what? It's fine. It doesn't matter. I'll just fix it and it's all good or I won't and people will survive. So, you know, I think that's a big part of it, but The other thing I wanted to share on this is um, I am a manifester in human design. Are you familiar with human design, Liz? No, I'm not. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You're going to have to get someone on your show to talk about this because you will love it. And I feel like your community would love it too. So it's, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's essentially a master system that incorporates from astrology the Kabbalah tree of life the uh, Chinese I Ching and the chakra system and it gives us an understanding like a really beautiful deep understanding of our energetics of how we're here to show up in the world our purpose our biggest challenges like it's amazing and so that's a very like very high level touch on what it is uh, but in human design I am a manifester. that's my energy type which actually means that I have inconsistent energy so it's I've heard it said that a manifesto is either 200% or 50%. And Mm. so learning this has really supported me uh, in my work in that when I'm on, I'm really on. And when I'm off, you probably won't see me for a couple of months. And right now you've come into my world when I'm very on. And so there's lots happening. I have a lot of energy yeah, I'm like at the, I'm at the 200% at the minute and I'm, you know, I'm holding lots of things and it feels really beautiful. And it will, I will also then come to a point where I come to a rest cycle and I recuperate and I take the time I need and there won't be a lot happening. I won't be showing up as much and then I'll rebuild and I'll get a new urge and I'll be off. So yeah, I think that understanding that has been really supportive as well. And from the outside, if you're coming into my world now and you're like, whoa, this girl (laughs) is like a lot. There are times where I am a lot and there are also times where I'm not much at all. So,
0: yeah. yeah this just, is so funny because I feel like you're exactly talking about me. So I'm going to have to have a look oh, into this because I'm exactly the same. I, I will I will hibernate. I'll go from super high energy, can get all the things done, I've got a million visions, and then I I get to a point where I'll literally wake up one day and I think, nope, I need to just stay at home watch movies, walk on the beach, not see anybody, and I'll be like that for a few weeks. And it's every few months I cycle like that. That's so interesting.
1: Yeah, it is so interesting. I feel like you would love it. I'll have to give you some contacts for people to talk to. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to making the main things the main things, I am really connected to what my values are. And my husband, Michael, and I, it's something that we talk about often about what is so important, like what is most important to us and are we prioritising that? So I have a daily self care practice that is uh, it's it's very it's uh, what's the word it's it changes every day it's it's dynamic it's always changing what that looks like some days it's beautiful and abundant I've just had a weekend to myself my boys went away for two nights and I had a weekend to myself and that was amazing but that's the first time that's ever happened uh, and usually it more looks like some meditation self-connection yeah that sort of thing so you know when it comes to making the, the main things the main things I would say that for us and our family that comes from being connected to our values so for our family uh, or for Michael and I obviously we can't tell Flynn what his values are but he has to kind of go along with ours for now uh, the most important things to us are health and family so those are the two things that we prioritize. And then behind that, it's uh, purpose and contribution. So, you know, my, my husband has his own business too. And so he gets a lot of purpose from the work that he does. And I obviously get a lot of purpose from the work that I do, but predominantly in front of that health and family come first. And, you know, it's not, it's definitely not something that we do perfectly, but it's a constant conversation. And I think that's how we make it work is we, we are always talking about that. And even just this week, Uh, Michael has a lot going on. He's going to Sydney for work on Friday and he's going uh, up to a a corporate box for football on Saturday with a work thing. And then he got invited to something on Sunday. And I was like, nah, this is feeling too much. I was like, we need, we really need some family time. He said, no, you're right. I actually feel like we need family time this weekend too. And so he ended up saying no to the thing on Sunday so that we can have that. Uh, Because yeah, it's something that we're all really craving right now. So Yeah, I think that communication um, with your people is really important for being able to prioritise what's important. And yeah, I think letting go of that perfectionism has been so liberating
0: for me. It really has. Yeah, that's so good. So much good advice. Kate, we've unfortunately come to the end end of this podcast, and I tell you, I could probably talk to you for another five hours and everybody will fall asleep for many reasons. <laughs> but I've so enjoyed this conversation, and I think it's going to be healing for so many people. And it feels healing for me, even though I don't have, as I said at the start, I don't have issues with fertility, and I never have. But I feel like so many of the things you've talked about um, are things that connect us as humans and it feels like a very very healing conversation so thank you for making yourself available for that
1: Well, oh, thank you for saying that it's been so wonderful to be able to have this conversation with you and yeah I've loved it too I could talk
0: all day <laughs> yeah absolutely and before I go can I just ask how people can stay in touch with what you're doing or how they can find you
1: Yeah, amazing. So uh, probably the best places to uh, keep in touch would be on Instagram. So uh, my handle is Kate underscore Cattle. Or uh, if you are in this phase of life, then come and listen to my podcast as well called The Awakened Pregnancy Podcast, uh, where I talk obviously a lot more about this stuff if it's something that you're craving. Thank you, Kate. Such a pleasure. It's been
0: amazing. Unconscious is presented by One Seed. Find out more at one dot com.